up, everyone? Ben Standing here. Welcome back to the Standard Room Only Podcast. Hope everybody is doing great. Uh, just got done with an NFL jam-packed weekend. Obviously, the Washington football team uh, is, is a week removed from uh, <clears throat> from their season uh, ending. We've got some thoughts to get into there on this podcast. Mark Bullock, my former teammate, film guru, uh, will be with me here to talk about the GM search. I'll, I'll share my thoughts on what I've heard about uh, about what's going on with that from, from league sources. I wrote about that on The Athletic. You can check that out as well. We'll, we'll. we'll get into the quarterback situation, Alex Smith versus Taylor Heineke versus Kyle Allen versus reality, I guess you could say. We talked about the defense, talked about some of this weekend's games and a bunch more. We'll get into all that here in just a second. Plus, I'll talk to you guys in a quick sec here about what Alex Smith had to say on 60 Minutes and what that means. Uh, you can, of course, uh, follow me on Twitter at Ben Standick. You can subscribe to The Athletic and read all our good stuff there. You can hit me up on uh, email, bstandick at theathletic.com. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Some of you send me some really interesting thoughts. I definitely always appreciate that for sure. Let, let's just quickly move into the Alex Smith part of this. Like I said, Mark and I will get into more of the GM search and things, but uh, we just recorded that conversation and I didn't, I don't think we really discussed that at all. So let me get to it now. If you didn't see it, because uh, it was, it happened during the NFC game last night on uh, Sunday night, Alex Smith and his wife spoke with 60 Minutes. They went through his whole journey, obviously, the injury and, and his whole career and, and this season and the comeback and, and his rehab. And obviously, it's, you know, we, we know the story. It's still inspiring every time to see it. But a couple of points that were key to where we're at now with Alex Smith. First off, late in the season, he had an injury that the team describes as a calf injury. Ended up missing three of the last four games, including the playoff game against Tampa Bay. Um Alex Smith told us late in the year that eh, calf injury is a, it's more complicated than that. And in the broadcast, uh, Nora O'Donnell was the correspondent for 60 Minutes. She reported that it was described, reported a bone bruise, and it was at one point during the uh, during the uh, video where we see Alex Smith working with a trainer. Now I don't know definitively that that occurred last week or so, but nonetheless. The, the discussion was that they used with that piece was that, yeah, he was you know pointing to a, the, the trainer was, you know, touching, I guess, a certain part of the leg. And Alex Smith said it was sore and all that. In any event, it's worth noting, again, but team was telling us a calf injury. He's telling us or they're sending the report of bone bruise. I don't necessarily know that that's one way or the other, you know, in terms of like the inability to to play or his leg being compromised enough uh, beyond what we already know with the 17 surgeries on that right leg. Nonetheless, it's an interesting information point that we, you know, we were being told X and maybe Y was the, the scenario. The other part of it was that Alex Smith um, about his future and what, what does his future entail? I told you, I believe here on the podcast, if not on Twitter and may probably both, said that my takeaway when we spoke to Alex Smith late in the season was that he sounded like somebody who still wanted to play football. And he he he, he spoke not it's not even so much the words, but just the the passion in which he um, spoke. 
And we get to the 60 Minutes piece, which was filmed after the season. At least the interview with Alex Smith and his wife. And this was one of his quotes. This year has only emboldened me that I can play at this level. And, you know, it's words. It just came right after the season. But it goes in line with what I was thinking, that he really seems to be buying into the idea of, of continuing to play. And, you know, Miles, I'll talk to him on that. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, he, did, he can do whatever he wants to do. Now, the one thing I thought was interesting previously, you know, and I mentioned this throughout the, throughout the season, was that when we would ask Ron Rivera about could Alex Smith be the 2021 starting quarterback, a, a, a scenario that seemed more plausible, particularly during that four-game winning streak when Alex Smith was playing at a pretty decent clip, relatively speaking, one of the things Ron Rivera told us often was, well, we'll have to see. A lot of it depends on what we want, but also depends on what Alex wants. And the idea of Alex Smith retiring seemed, and maybe I would argue still does, it seems like a, a, a decent scenario or decent, decent possibility. But one question was that, that Alex Smith himself said at the end of the season was he's going to have to talk to his family. Well, his wife was in the interview, and here's something that she said at the end of the interview as well. Quote, I understand people's apprehension. I have the same apprehension, but I think it's bigger than football. That's what I tell people. It's not about the game. It's about what happened, getting back on your feet, dusting yourself off no matter what, no matter what the obstacle is, end quote. Look, she's sitting there next to her husband. I don't, I, I'll take that. I'll take her out of the word that, you know, she's going to clearly back him uh, and all that. So, I, but it was interesting to hear that because I thought perhaps the one way maybe he doesn't come back is if his wife and his family say, hey, We've been through a lot. Could we maybe move forward here and, and get on with the next chapter of our lives? Uh, because it is difficult to watch. You've got to go through that time and time again. All that said, we'll see what happens. But Alex Smith, the door remains very open to him wanting to play football again. Whether he whether the Washington football team feels the same way about him being back here on the 2021 roster is another story. Again, he's due to make $19 million dollars. This year, and his cap hit is between 23 and 24 million around around there. If they were to release him, the cap hit would drop to about 10 million. So you know, give or take a 13 million dollar savings, that's a big number. And even 10 million dollars, um, that that's just a cap hit. Even if you reduce his salary, and just for argument's sake, to say around that 10 million dollar mark, that is still if you bring, you know, put add more years to the contract and you can lower the cap and things like that, that is still a lot more money than people are paying for a backup quarterback. So if you think that Alex Smith is the starter, if they think that, well, okay, but then you're taking a guy who can you rely on him over the course of a full season to get to be that guy? If not, I just don't know if that's the way you want to go into the year. And while technically, if you keep Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, it looks like they have two guys that can be plug and play to what end, you know, it's one thing to sort of be intrigued by them as backups or, or maybe they're the stopgap if you draft a quarterback in the first round, but you know, all three of those guys together, doesn't feel to me like you've got a legit starter. And as we've seen in these playoffs and I'm going to get in with discuss with Mark, this isn't breaking news. You need a quarterback to succeed in this league, unless you're dominant in all other phases. They're not yet. The defense is interesting for sure, but it's not dominant yet. The offensive line it, it did better than expected this year, but they're not that great. The skill pieces are, are more intriguing than we would have thought a year ago at this time, but you know we're not talking the greatest show on turf. 
So I just don't know how you go into the season if you're Ron Rivera looking to make the next step with these three quarterbacks in mind. But again, there's a long ways to go for that. We'll get into that more in the offseason. But that's what Alex Smith had to say on 60 Minutes. Good story. Um, and we got more stories to tell here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Mark Bullock and I right now, let's talk. GM search, more quarterbacks, the defense, and other things. Washington football team here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Had a uh, good weekend, a lot of football. Obviously, none of it involving the Washington football team, but obviously it's hard to watch any of these games and not think about them, and particularly the quarterback position, because if we were reminded of anything else this weekend, watching these games, if you don't have a quarterback, you're you're behind the eight ball and you need a lot of help elsewhere. Uh, But we're going to get to a little bit about what happened uh, this weekend, but we'll also talk about the Washington GM search and just other things, Washington football team and football and life in general with our good friend, sadly to say my former colleague at The Athletic because <laughs> life is the way that life is. He is Mark Bullock, film guru to the stars. Uh, before we get into the games, how you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad, I suppose, all things considered. Uh, yourself? Uh, you know, I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do, but you can go follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL. You can follow me at Ben Standick as well. And, uh, you know, Mark, there's a lot to get into, obviously, with regards to football and and, and, and the football team and, and all that. Um, I guess let, let me just start with the football team, because while obviously if, on Twitter, you're still talking about it and and dissecting everything, but we did, you, you and I haven't had a chance to sort of sort of put a cap on the season that ended a, a, you know just over a week ago now with that loss to Tampa Bay. Whether you want to mention something from that game itself or just now that you've had some extra time to think about the season that's a little, a little bit behind us, what, 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 what sort of is on your mind? Like what, what, what do you think about when you look back on the season? What's like sort of the one thing that kind of stands out the most to you um, when you think about the Washington football team in 2020? Uh, I, I think it was that the defense came along pretty well, um, but still, I, I, I think the defense is better than I anticipated it being. I don't think it's as good as everyone else necessarily thinks it is. I, I think fans have this impression that it's the defense that's going to shut down everyone, and at times it can, but at times it doesn't. And, and we saw that against Tampa Bay, that they still gave up some plays, um, still got run all over. Um, so it's a defense with a ton of potential and it can be what fans are expecting it to be. It's just not quite there yet. Um, but I think there's a lot of promising things from that defensive unit. Obviously, Chase Young and Montez Sweat are, are great off the edge and um, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. They've got Matt Ioannidis to come back next year. Um, that defensive line can carry this unit. Um, and they found some other pieces like Cam Curl came on fantastically. Um, Kendall Fuller had a solid year. Ronald Darby had a solid year. So they, they've they've got a lot of pieces, um, but it's not a complete defense yet that's ready to fully dominate and carry a team, um, especially, as you mentioned at the top, if they don't have a quarterback. By the way, I love the way you described it, that they were better than you imagined, but they're not as good as people think they are. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more especially on the latter point, because I just know throughout the year, I would watch the, this team play. And, you know, depending on the game, they could look great. You know, when they were facing Dallas the first game and, you know, the JMU quarterback comes in or they're facing the 49ers with Nick Mullins or the Bengals with the backup quarterback and so on, they look 
I mean, they, they, they didn't play down to the level of their opponent. They looked dominant. And that's what you're supposed to do against bad teams. There's nothing that's, – that's good. That's what you want to do. But there were other times I'm like, well, wait, they're giving up a tons of yards on the ground when the other team is consistently trying to, to run – that run the football and you know we saw what they, what Tampa Bay did obviously Tampa Bay is really good but that's the point if you're an elite defense like I mean, look New Orleans did a pretty decent job defensively against Tampa Bay by you know if they don't get the four turnovers the Bucks then you know who knows what happens in that game it wasn't like their offense was uh was 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 winning it for them and yet they get you know the same now granted that same group didn't have Ronald Jones I guess but you know by and large it was the same group otherwise yeah. um but uh yeah that was the, the, there's promise with the defense, but it's definitely not there yet. And then you see a guy like what Devin White could do. I saw some people suggesting that Washington hung in there with Tampa Bay, and therefore you could extrapolate, oh, maybe they could beat New Orleans. I don't think so. I, I think th they didn't have Devin White against Washington. Look what that guy could do. I mean, obviously that's like the sort of the extreme of like if they could find a linebacker meeting Washington – that, you know, we always mention sort of a Luke Keekley because of the Rivera connection. Like that's where this defense could go. That's easier said than done. He was the fifth pick of the draft. <laughs> yeah. Years ago. So, yeah. Right. Exactly. But, but like, yeah. that guy, it's not easy. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I mean, I think their defense is promising and obviously with that defensive line, you've got a lot of pieces in place already. And, you know, a couple guys in the secondary, I think are good, but there's still work to be, to be done there. Um, there, there for sure. Um, what uh, since we just mentioned the the the, the defense, uh, I guess I have to ask, uh, what 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 did you make of Taylor Heineke? I have been very hesitant to say, okay, look, they got their guy, or that like you know, he if they go with him, Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen, they're good. They'll think one of those guys is good enough. I mean, I think Rivera actually might think that, but I don't know if I do. But now that you've watched Taylor Heineke, I assume you've watched the game probably multiple times because that's what you do. What uh, give us your assessment of what you saw with him, both in terms of that game, but more specifically, I guess, actually forget the game itself. Is he, is he somebody that we should actually be talking about in the QB one conversation next year? No, no, he's not. Uh, and, and like he was, <laughs> he was, he was fantastic against the, um, against the, the bucks that, that, and that's fair to say, and it was clear to clear to see for everyone that, he played out of his skin, but like, there's a reason this guy has not been in the league, and like, it's not like Washington were expecting him to play well. Like, they they gave Alex Smith every single chance they could to play that game, um, and, and like, they if, also kept Dwayne Haskins not just on the roster; they they kept him in the starting lineup even after his infraction. We'll just say um, because they had no idea whether Taylor Heineke could play. And by the way, in week 15, the first Haskins start, it was Steven Montez was the backup. It wasn't even Taylor Heineke at that point. So they definitely, no matter what anybody were to say going forward, they definitely did not feel comfortable going with Taylor Heineke. Yeah, exactly. Like sure that he, he's played under Scott Turner before, but like they, they didn't bring him in until like, what a month ago like he he hasn't been with the team this whole time so clearly they didn't think he was the answer and one good game however good that game was or i've seen people say well it was one good game and a good quarter against the panthers yeah sure okay so it was five good quarters like this is what uh, you, you can't base an entire evaluation off of that and and um you have to go off of more of his body of work and based on the fact that they hadn't brought him in until December tells you that they didn't think he was going to give them anything and their evaluation of him 
wasn't particularly high. So um, sure, that game has earned him a roster spot. He'll he'll probably be on the roster for training camp and competing for something. Um, I don't think it will be the number one job. I, I would imagine they will be pretty aggressive um, or certainly if I was in their shoes, I'd be aggressive at looking at um, uh, the trade market if it, if Deshaun Watson somehow becomes available or a Matthew Stafford or uh, any of those names or if they really like a guy in the draft and they think they can move into the top 10 and, and grab a guy in, in the draft, then I'm totally fine with that and I would be aggressive in going to get the guy that I like. But um, Heineke's performance, he deserves a spot on the roster as, as competing with Kyle Allen for the the backup job but I, I i i would not be comfortable going into 2021 with those two as as my projected qb1 let me ask you as a yes or no question we, we both agree that taylor heineke is not a qb1 and based on what we just the, the overall just using him as a you know everything about him he's not a qb1 also he's not the biggest guy out there you got you know for me the biggest issue at this point i don't care about the obviously you have to be able to make the passes you got to stay durable they continue to cycle through guys who are getting hurt. They need to figure out, I mean, if, if this has been said before by others, the, the biggest loss of the Kirk Cousins factor was that he played every single game. And regardless of what you think about Kirk Cousins that can win a Super Bowl, he was out there every week and thus gives you a chance versus they went through four quarterbacks for the second time in two years or in three years. You can't keep, you can't keep uh, doing that. But that said, yes or no, it could Taylor Heineke be a number two quarterback for an, for an NFL team. Sure. Yeah, I, I think he he proved that the, the 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 way he played against the Bucks. I mean that that you, you he earned a roster spot, and I think his upside, the way he played, suggests he could be a good guy to come in in a in a bad spot where they get an injury or a spot start like he did this week or against the Bucks last week. That's fine, but he's he's not someone I want starting. So um, so I guess therefore the interesting thing. So I'm right. He's a restricted free agent, I, I believe. So therefore Washington could in theory match offers and all that kind of stuff. And and teams don't typically pay backup quarterbacks a ton of money. But you know I guess I do wonder on some level. You know if a team I don't know what I and, try, and, and to be to be super honest I have not dug that deep into the whole contract world of him. There's been other things on my mind, namely the GM search and yeah. uh, and sleep. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm getting much of that, but you know trying a little bit. Uh, but um, but like, you know, it's not a matter of what he wants per se, but like, you know, if, if somebody, I guess if some other team is sort of a little more aggressive about it and says, hey, we want you to be the number two, because like you said, he could not even be the number two here with Kyle Allen. Um, let me ask you this. I, I imagine you don't think Kyle Allen is a number one guy either. Now we only have, we just said the one game and one quarter of Taylor Heineke to go off of, but in terms of Washington itself, we don't have a ton more with Kyle Allen. He did make a, a few starts, so we have a little bit more of, of uh, to work with. Plus, he did make a bunch more starts with Carolina, so we have a lot more there to yeah. include. Based on that, I think Taylor Heineke, I, I would think if we rated all the starts this past year, all all uh, 17 starts, I think his performance in the light, in the playoff game was the best single start we had from a quarterback. I, I would at least make that argument. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, could he be the number two over Kyle Allen, which I think is maybe not the most pressing issue of the day, but I think it's an interesting question because, well, I'll, I'll just ask you, could he be the number two over Kyle Allen? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the you said that that was the best performance of the season. You could make the argument. I, I would make the argument it's the best quarterback performance they've had in a single game for at least five years since probably Cousins was there. Wow, um, okay. it, it, 
you could probably date it back to further than that possibly so you so were even like i mean because right alex it's funny alex smith it felt like this year somehow felt more productive forget the stats just on the eye test more more interesting than the alex smith pre-injury here like it, sure. so and that's what so so that so you're even saying taylor heineke's performance was better than whatever alex smith did that year which is yeah 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 he uh, i i was easily say since since kirk left i would say heineke's performance was the best single one-off performance um it, it remains to be seen whether he could stack that up and and as you say the injury the durability thing like i don't think he's managed to play in more than one game without getting hurt um so th- that is a, a huge concern and that is why i think there is room on the roster for both heineke and allen um because both of them have had injuries um and you you want to have somewhat reliable backup quarterbacks so um keeping both i think would make plenty of sense i i would personally just because of the way he played in the in the big spot in the big moment i i would go with heineke as as my number two guy over kyle allen uh, allen is a solid player that you know he can make the offense function heineke made the offense do more than just function so like he gives you a little bit more upside i suppose um and so I, I, w- I would say that I would be leaning towards Heineke as, as the number two and then Allen as the three, but I would probably keep both. So, so that to me, this is interesting on a few different fronts. Um, by the way, can you see my camera? Yes. So I, I, I was playing around this week and cleaning out. I, I, I found, I was clean. I was going through my old uh, trading cards and I found this. Can you see it? Ron Rivera, Bears trade. Oh yeah. Nice. It's a yeah, Ron Rivera, football card 1988 edition i'll put it up on twitter at some point but uh <laughs> it was just staring at me uh in the face um but but i was thinking about it because ron rivera right i mean clearly ron rivera likes kyle allen that's been yeah. obvious from the start he said late in the year when asked could they could washington have gotten where they did without alex smith he said yeah i think kyle allen would have basically done the same thing so that's interesting so now like I, like my the way i have viewed this all the time it's granted it's a little bit different with them picking 19 than if they were picking somewhere in the top 10, but that if they were to draft a quarterback in the first round, and let's just assume that just in general, that quarterback needs time to develop, that if Kyle Allen was the other quarterback, that he would be the week one starter. I'm assuming he'll be ready to go with his ankle injury. If that's a delay, then that's a whole other story. But I'll assume by that point, he'll be ready to go off of of surgery. And therefore, you know, I, I don't know that they will draft a quarterback now at 19, but just in terms of the concept that they might, that, that, that therefore Kyle Allen could be the stopgap option for some games or if not even maybe the season. Now, I'm not arguing whether that's the right move. I'm just saying I think that's where Ron Rivera's mindset was at. And so, therefore, if we think, you're saying, and I'm not arguing, that Heineke might be better, it does therefore make me wonder, could, in fact, Taylor Heineke be the week one starter if, in fact, it went the rookie route? We can all sit here and say they should go get Matthew Stafford. Well, one, we don't even know if he'll be available. Um, we could say go sign Cam Newton, but you know I don't know was Cam Newton that good in New England? Obviously Rivera didn't go that route initially. Anyway, he went with he traded, gave up a pick for Kyle Allen when he could have just signed Cam Newton. Uh, there will be other quarterbacks out there as well, but you know I don't know is Tyrod Taylor is it that much more interesting than these two guys? I mean, sure, but to what end? I, I don't I don't I don't know. So you know I. That's the part that's interesting to me. I think whoever is the the, the quote unquote number two 
in, 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 I'm not saying this will happen this way, but in, if they don't, if they're not aggressive in free agency, that guy could end up being the starter. So that's why it's interesting to me that you think that Heineke would be over Allen because we know how how Rivera views um, uh, views Allen. And that, that and look, the, the free agency comes before the draft. I mean, you could trade for a quarterback at any time, but free agency comes first. And if they don't make a move there, then logically they're going to draft somebody. And if you keep Allen and Heineke, then those are your quarterbacks. And I'm not saying it's Beck and Grossman. But, you know, it kind of has a little bit of that thought. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's what's interesting to me is just how much is Ron Rivera really believe in these two guys can be their guy versus he's just trying to build up their confidence throughout the year with what he says to us. But he knows ultimately he's going to have to go make a, a more aggressive move. I think that's a really interesting aspect of all this. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's more towards what you're you're you the sentiment you were finishing on there was he was more. I think building up, trying to build up the confidence in those guys and and, and get behind them. Um, I, I I don't think he buys into those guys or either one of those is a long term answer for them um, because uh, if he did, like the the I, I think he ended the press conference, um, the exit interviews and stuff. I think he ended that to this year, send, saying that obviously they need to get quarterbacks sorted out and and. I don't think you say that if you believe that either Heineke or Allen or whoever is your guy. Um, so I, I think um, there is certainly a scenario where one of those two could be a starter. As you say, if they, if they go and draft a, a Trey Lance or a Zach Wilson or, or whoever, and, and they feel this guy's not quite ready yet, we want to give him time. Um, then yeah, sure. The, the, whoever wins a training camp competition out of Heineke and Allen, would be the starter um, until the rookie's ready. And, and that potentially could be a season. Um, I, I guess we would see that. I, I guess the other option would be Alex Smith after last night, kind of him suggesting that he might not necessarily retire and, and he's still contracted to Washington next year. They have to make a decision on that. Um, and, and obviously Alex Smith is, has history of being a good mentor to younger quarterbacks if, if they were to draft one I, I think Smith would be a better option as a mentor than a Heineke or an Allen um, so that is another question they have to resolve is is exactly what they want to do with Alex Smith um, because he still plays into all of this because of his contract right and you know you know I guess if you know look Alex Smith what while, while I agree that Heineke's individual performance was the best one. They went five and one in the, in the games with Alex Smith starting. Reminder, they only won seven games all year. So you can do the math on what the record was in the other games, but it wasn't because Alex Smith was like some great quarterback. And obviously his leg became compromised more as the season went along. Um, you know, he's just, you know, he's so smart. He's a gamer. He, he's, in, he's inspiring his teammates. He, you know, he did throw some interceptions, but by and large, he doesn't make tons of mental of, of mistakes. And, um, you know, I think to me, though, the issue is you can't pay a guy $20 million and not know that he's going to be available. It's one thing for people to get hurt. That happens. But like we kind of know going in, he's going to be limited. But And I think this cap, you know, well, now we're sitting now it's a bone bruise based on what we learned in the 60 minutes piece yesterday, not according to their reporting. So take that for I assume that's probably more accurate. Alex Smith told us at the end of the year it was more complicated than a cap injury. I, I don't see how they go into the season with him. Now, at the current contract, it would be a about a $10 million cap hit but that means like a 13 million dollar savings off the 2021 salary cap if they just cut them sure they could restructure the contract and all that fun stuff but i just don't see how you go into a season with him in in your it, realistically as one of your quarterbacks if he's on the roster 
I, I don't see how he's not starting. And if you go out and sign, you know, go out and acquire that Matthew Stafford type guy, I don't really see the point of having Alex Smith anymore. And even if you draft the guy, like you said, he would be a, a really good mentor, but boy, you're paying a lot of money for a mentor. You have Scott Turner, you have Ken Zampezi. They should be, <laughs> that's what they get paid for. So I don't personally get how Alex Smith is here, but we'll see what happens. They, I mean, look, I, I was wrong at every single turn of the Alex Smith journey this year. So let me let, let me not pretend, pretend that I can predict what, what happened. I'm just saying uh, what I would do. So I think that's uh, interesting for sure. Um, hopefully Mark will be willing to come back on the podcast as we move closer to free agency in the draft to talk about some of the options once we have a better sense of the field on both of those. And I'm sure he'll break down tape of all these prospects and, and see – who, uh, who, who he likes and, and who he doesn't like. Um, you're listening here to the Standard Room Only podcast. Ben Standard here with our friend Mark Bullock, uh, film guru of uh, not just the Washington football team. He did a lot of Baltimore Ravens this year. Uh, I, I won't ask you what happened there, but tough one, tough one for them. Uh, they're out, and they're, they're, they're in the same boat as Washington, uh, watching the rest of the playoffs. Um, let, let's talk about the GM search. I guess it's important, but how much do you give a crap? Like, I, like, do you view this as like, wow, this is a defining moment for this team? Or it's like, oh, okay, they, will, we'll, somebody's coming in, but Rivera's still in charge, and I guess we'll see what happens. Like, how, how, how geeked up are you for this, uh, for this hire at this point? Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm particularly excited or anything about it. Like, the, in my mind, I know that it, it has significance because. They, they need someone to keep producing talent um, and keep finding talent for the roster. And, and um, part of me is conflicted by what they're doing. And, and obviously with um, the whole Kyle Smith situation, and I know everyone says that, well, uh, there's a big divide on either you're on hire Kyle Smith as the GM or there, or you're on the other side, which is, yeah, you'll plenty of people can be good talent evaluators, and just because Smith would go, that someone else could come in and do just as good a job. For me, it seems kind of odd that the the, the main reason Rivera wanted this job was because of the young talent that he had on the roster, and the young talent on the roster was mostly Carl Smith's doing, from what we understand or what we we've been told. So, for me, I don't know why. And, and like the last year, they've added more they've hit on free agency with with carl smith being in charge of that um with jd mckissick and logan thomas and all of that um and they hit on some draft picks and not just early ones as well obviously we talked about cam curl earlier and and that kind of thing so i'm a little bit conflicted about it because in the end it's going to be what the coaches and, and players produce on the field and they've got some talent there that um and if they can add a quarterback to that, then they're going to be at least competitive for a while. Um, but I know for the long-term future of the franchise, you you, you need a, a good GM to keep finding the talent and keep um, refreshing the roster and, and making sure it doesn't end up going stale um, and and burning out. And, and I, I feel like that kind of is what happened to Rivera in, in Carolina and, and while they had that great Super Bowl run after that, the roster seemed to go a bit stale and, and they burned out a little bit and then Rivera ended up getting fired. So um, I, I'm interested to see where they go with the GM search and 
how that leads down the road to, to Rivera's future in Washington. Um, in, in the few minutes we have left here with Mark, let's just kind of go through the candidates that we know now. Mark and I are talking. It's Monday morning. Well, it's Monday morning for me. I guess it's Monday afternoon for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Monday morning on the East Coast. As it stands right this minute, there are five known candidates, four outside people that they've uh, sought permission to interview. Uh, some of those interviews have already occurred. Honestly, they may all have by now, but at least two of them, as far as we know, have. And then they have an internal candidate, and that's Eric Stokes, the director of uh, play, uh, pro personnel for Washington, as opposed to Kyle Smith. Let's just kind of go through these, and I'll go ahead and go through them in order, I guess, of what I kind of would imagine if we were going to put them in sort of, you know, odds of, of getting hired. Um, I guess let's go from the, well, well actually, uh, uh, let's not do that, but, but I'll go sort of from the bottom up in terms of, ah, uh, let's screw it. Let's go the other way. I'll just go through some of the names I think are interesting. So the, the most prominent name on the list is Martin Mayhew, the former Detroit Lions general manager, uh, who is now a, uh, one of the executives in the 49ers front office. And obviously that's a team that just last year um, made the Super Bowl. And, you know, Mayhew on the one hand, if you look at his, his, his numbers broadly, the Lions record during his seven years there, you know, it's not that impressive Two playoff performances. So, you know, whatever, but, and, and he was there, he, his first year, they did go 0 and 16. I think that's more to the point of the, the mess he inherited than anything that he necessarily did. And they did win, uh, you know, 10 wins twice, you know, 10 plus wins twice in those seven years. He drafted Matthew Stafford. He drafted in Dominican Sue, obvious picks or not. You get credit just like Washington gets credit for drafting Chase Young. And from that began the turnaround. He also passed on Aaron Donald and took Eric Ebron. Not so great there, but um, you know he's he's an intriguing guy. I, in talking to league sources, and I guess I should say I'm terrible about promoting my own things. But I, up on the athletic, I wrote a story about Washington's um, uh, situation right now in terms of uh, I, I broke down the candidates and then talking to sources, what people think, and sources I talked to around the league seem to think, at least going into the interview process, you'd like to think it's an open mind situation, but going in, that Mayhew was the one to beat. And I think that's both in terms of track record in a positive way. I think people really like him. He's a smart guy. He graduated Georgetown Law School after his playing career with Washington. Obviously, there's the ties to the organization. He was on the Super Bowl, the Joe Gibbs last Super Bowl team. But that, you know, that Rivera, you know, it's been this question, like, what is Rivera looking for? Is he looking for a yes man? Is he looking for... Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously going to keep power no matter what. I think that's obvious. But does he want somebody to really just, you know, you run this department or does he want somebody he can sort of, you know, kind of lord over, I guess. I, I think some people think he wants to have somebody that can sort of be, you know, quasi equal partners. You do this stuff. I don't want to deal with all the day to day minutiae. But obviously, when there's big questions about what are we doing a quarterback or we're making a trade or first round or whatever that, you know, he's going to get involved. Uh I think that maybe feels like more of the prevailing vibe right now. And that's why Mayhew is, is that, is the, is the feeling there. Now they haven't at this point talked to, as far as we know, Marty Herney, the former Panthers general manager, or a guy like Rick Smith, the former Texans GM, those were, they were rumored names. Uh, of course, Mark, we know that like Ron Rivera and Dan Snyder talked for a while before it was ever out that Ron Rivera was going to be in the mix for Washington's job. And I presume Ron Rivera and Marty Herney have talked. So for all we know, Marty Herney is very much in the mix and we just don't know it yet. But Mayhew is the candidate of the five. That's the most, um, th that's the biggest name there. Uh, the, most, the most prominent name there. Again, we just both established that it's hard to say whether these guys are good or not. 
I guess just as, as a quick answer before we get to the other name, does a Marty Hurd, uh, does a Mar uh, sorry, a Martin Mayhew hire, does that, I don't know, what does that do for you? Do you feel good about that? It's an experienced hand and if Rivera is comfortable, that's fine. Or does that seem like an uninspired hire, especially if it means that Kyle Smith decides, oh, I'm getting passed over. I'm going to look to see if I can get out of here. Yeah, I, I would tend to lean towards the latter, but it's always hard to judge how a GM, how good a GM actually is because you, you never really know in who's responsible for what in, in the front office. And a GM's role is, is far more than just evaluating talent and being like, well, setting the draft board and, and signing for agents. Like there's a lot more day-to-day -day stuff, as you mentioned, for a GM. And, and I think that's the kind of stuff that Rivera values in a GM. So um, it, for me, it's not something that would move the needle that much. I, I, I wouldn't be thrilled about the idea of losing Carl Smith for, um, for that one, but you know, it, it, I would, I understand that there's far more to it than just like a track record and, and, you know, his, his spell with the Lions did have some hits as well as some misses. So, um, it, it it's not one that would thrill me, but I, I wouldn't be depressed and, and upset about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, by, by and large, it's, it's about how do the pieces fit and everything I have to gather Martin Mayhew does a good job of keeping you know, people in the conversation throughout an organization. He's personable. Um, you know, the track record with the draft with Detroit was spotty. I mean, there's no, there's no argument there, but nobody is perfect with these things, but he, they also, he helped to do, you know, to whatever degree we give anybody credit who's not the GM for helping things out. He's been with the 49ers for four years. And in that time, they became a team that won the NFC. And the, this year they just got ravaged by injuries, but the, you know, the core of that team is still there, particularly along the defensive line. So you, you know, in theory, he gets some credit for that. Now you go to the look at the other names, three of the other names are, are fairly similar, just in a general profile, uh, Ryan Cowden and Jojo Wooden. He's the chargers vice president of player personnel. Well, actually, I, I think he has a slightly different title, but it's essentially the same thing. I think the director of player personnel, um, and uh, Eric Stokes, who, while he is the pro personnel here, he has, with, when he was with the Miami Dolphins, was the assistant general manager. So he, you know, we can sort of on some level, maybe put him up on that, on that level. Um, you know, th those are, th those would be three guys who would be moving up to a, a, a higher title with the GM. Um, but like, you know, sort of you know, essentially all would be getting um, a bump up as far as, um, responsibility i guess you would say if they were you know truly to be the, the ones leading the, uh, the the personnel the personnel department the scouting department um so i think that's interesting uh just in general and and like i said i wrote about this on the athletic you can read it there but i think cowden is is, is, is a pretty interesting guy tennessee you know before in 2016 tennessee hired john robinson as gm and he brought in ryan cowden from carolina where he had been for 16 years some of that time with rivera and Prior to 2016, they had won five games in two years. Since then, they won nine games four years in a row, I believe. And then this year, they won 11 and five. Obviously, in last year in 2019, they made the AFC Championship game. Uh, this year, they didn't get to as well, but nonetheless, you know, 11 wins. You know, they drafted Derrick Henry in that stretch. Uh, you know, they, they turned Ryan Tannehill from a guy that was all, you know, more or less off the scrap heap. You know, they traded for him, but you know, a guy that nobody was that interested in, and he became one of the better reclamation projects in the league. So, you know, they didn't have a really good free. They didn't have a really good offseason this year, yet they still win 11 games. So I think he's really interesting. Um, but then you have 
uh, the other uh, candidate, and I, I always want to say Nick Polk, um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, that's not it. Um, hold on, I'm just, I completely I'm I'm I'm, I'm drinking on Nick, yeah, Nick Polk, yeah, not Nick Polk, Nick Polk from the Falcons, he's on the admin side of things. And it was sort of a weird fit, like so, talking to people around the league, they didn't quite get that one, why he was in the mix, because he doesn't have the sort of the personnel side of things. Um, and a lot of the stuff that he does, salary cap and contract, you already have Rob Rogers here, who, you know, if we're going to sort of look, look at this from an organizational chart, you have Ron, you have Dan Snyder at the top. I'm not, I'm just talking the football side. I'm not talking about Jason Wright. You have Dan Snyder at the top, you have Ron Rivera, you have Rob Rogers sort of below that off to the side and maybe Kyle Smith is sort of a step below that on, on the personnel side, but this new hire, if a GM would presumably be at least at worst equal with Rob Rogers, if not maybe a step above. So Nick Polk would feel like an overlap there, unless there's just something about this guy, the people that, that Rivera finds intriguing in terms of just the way he thinks and his, and his mind and all that. I've heard again, positive things about him from that perspective. It's worth noting the Falcons are in cap hell, and that's partly why Thomas Dimitrov got their GM, got fired this year. But if you went down that route, Mark, I think you could make maybe make an argument. They want to keep the scouting department intact. That's why you're bringing in somebody who's not a personnel guy. Maybe that's good news for Kyle Smith, and maybe Ron just thinks I don't need more time. I'm not saying that's the actual truth. I'm just saying that would be one way to, 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 to look at it. Again, None of us really know what to make of these names, but do any of those names sound interesting to you or any of their backgrounds or does anything of those four guys that you like, Oh, okay. I kind of, I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the group of three with, with Cowden and uh, the Chargers, Jojo, what's his name? Jojo Wooden. Wooden. That's the one. And, and, and he was more on the pro side, but regardless, you know, he, he was over just like Kyle Smith was overseeing all of it. And then obviously they just drafted Justin Herbert, which, you know, yeah. it's easy now to say that was an obvious pick. A lot of people were not that excited about Justin Herbert pre-draft. And they also have, uh, you know, Bosa on the defensive line that was also there. So that, you know, they're anchored on both ends with some pretty interesting talent. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so th those those three guys would, would interest me more because I guess it's somewhat of the unknown and, and, and that they've been working their way up and that they haven't had their shot yet as being the GM and, and, and running the team, whereas a, a guy like you mentioned even marty herney or what have you we've kind of seen what they've done uh, and they've had an opportunity and they didn't exactly blow us away with what they did um so giving a, a younger guy their first shot would have would be more intriguing to me um but it, it's all it's all the same because we 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 don't we don't really know exactly what kind of role Rivera is looking for them to to have, and just how much input they'll have, and how much power they'll have. And obviously, a GM will have a certain amount of power, but um, Rivera is going to have the final say anyway. Um, and I don't think Rivera will just want a yes man. That doesn't seem to be the kind of guy Rivera is. But um, I, I would imagine he'll want someone that will challenge his views and and be willing to stand up to him and stand on the table for their own guys. But um, at the end of the day, Rivera is going to have the overall say. So there, there's, I guess there's to a degree, a limited amount of people that would want that kind of role. Um, and, and so uh, there's not going to be the hotshot GM names that are going to come in. It's going to be those kind of younger guys looking for their first chance to, um, 
to get their first shot and that that would intrigue me more than the the, the retreads that we, we've heard linked for a while you know you, you you mentioned that Rivera might want somebody that would be willing to challenge him and you know I, I'm, I'm always hesitant when I, when you throw out a thing like well according to a source X because I don't want one one voice one source being to to count for hundreds of people saying this or or if I didn't hear it about somebody else therefore that the other person doesn't have this trait I, I'm not saying that at all but in talking to people about Ryan Cowden, one thing I heard was that he apparently was somebody who did, uh, he, he was he was more than willing to challenge John Robinson, the, the Titans GM, when he felt um, he had a different view and wasn't afraid to just sort of shrink back. And, you know, he, was, he wasn't afraid to speak up. He didn't just shrink back. So to your point, that may be interesting. And since he was at Carolina, presumably Ron Rivera may have seen that uh, in action as well. So, I mean, that's something to keep in mind. He was also the first one to be interviewed, which... Maybe he was free that day. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but you know there has to be some something there to that to that end. So anyway, interesting stuff. We'll see how this goes um, on the GM search. I suspect uh, you know. Look, I, it wouldn't stun me if we get a resolution uh, this week. I mean, it's possible that Washington is interested in somebody who's still uh, in the playoffs. But um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll we'll have we'll have to see how that goes. I guess at the moment, none of those none yeah, none of those guys are still going. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see if the Marty Herney or Rick Smith or Morocco Brown or somebody else gets added to the equation. Um, and again, it, it, we're, only, no, we're only talking about the five guys who are currently with a team, including Stokes. They don't have to ask permission for guys who are not with the team. So Rivera could have easily have talked to some other people 17 times by now. And we just don't necessarily know, know about it. Uh, but what we do know is that Mark Bullock knows his stuff about the Washington football team. He breaks down tape like nobody else. And obviously you're going to, uh, you're going to keep following him uh, on Twitter. I will have it in front of me at Mark Bullock NFL, right? Yep. All right. Yeah, so, right. so keep following Mark. Uh, I always feel like I have to say when I talk about Twitter, be nice to Mark. Cause like, you know, the, the world is tough these days and don't be mean to anybody on Twitter. Um, and, and Mark, I always appreciate man. I hope we can keep talking uh, you know, throughout the off season about, you know, it's going to be interesting, especially on the quarterback side, who they're looking at for agency in the draft. And most importantly, I hope you're doing all right, man. And uh, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep reading. We'll keep, uh, you know, seeing all the film that you put up on the, on the Twitter until you figure out your next step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll look forward to uh, keeping up with you. All right, man. All right. Well, that's it for now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Of course, I didn't say at the top, obviously, but you, you know how to find us on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and all that fun stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, go read my stuff, including the GM story up on The Athletic. But that's it for now here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. Until next time, see ya.